0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs.
1: My name is Knut Peterson. Uh, Thanks very much, Shannon. That, That was a big topic you covered, and you got in just under the wire. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question about the a little paper that's on each table. Our water, our future a conversation with Albertans. It's a government Alberta government sponsored uh, conversation that went around the province. And you can still uh, submit opinions up until March the 29th. There's a there's an address on the bottom of that paper. My question is. Uh, What's your relationship with with that particular conversation, and what's your relationship with the government in general?
2: Sure. Um, well, w- the Watershed Planning and Advisory Councils are set up under the Water for Life strategy. There's 11 watershed councils across the province, and... Um, Like I mentioned, our job is to try and find solutions to some of those big challenges by working together and and advising the government on on what needs to be done. Um, That particular water conversation, um, we were invited to to speak, so I did some introductions there and um, mentioned our headwaters work and... um, we had a stakeholder session and a public session that I spoke at, and um, but other than that, we don't have a lot of involvement in that particular event. That was a, a government initiative to get feedback from Albertans, and, and we were happy that they that they put that on because it was a promise made a, a long time ago, and um, I do think that this um, this new government. Since um, Alison Redford won the election and set up her new cabinet, has been a lot more open and um, listening to people. And so I, you know, we're very hopeful that, that um, water conversations events will translate into you know, good policies and um, improving um, watersheds in terms of water quality and, and looking at those big issues. And, you know, we, we also um, work closely with um, giving feedback and input into the South Saskatchewan Regional Plan. We meet with um, those folks um, to share information and tell them what we found and what, you know, direction we think that needs to go. And so far, it's been very positive that, you know, we think we're on the same page overall. And, of course... You know, no one's going to be 100% happy, but it'll be a good start, um, like the the lower Athabasca regional plan was. So I think um, we're very fortunate as well to have uh, Minister Diana McQueen as the Environment and Sustainable Resource Development Minister. Um, She's very um, intent and, and keen on listening to people and really takes things seriously. So that's been very positive and um, we are kind of trying to work together with the government on how our um, watershed planning processes that I talked a little bit about today will feed into the land use framework. That's kind of the biggie, is you know, how will this become um, uh, law or policy or, or you know, actually take traction.
3: Dev Mendel atherstone thank you very much. I appreciated how well organized your talk was. And for people who tell us they can't um, they can't talk in 20 to 30 minutes, uh, you certainly prove prove them wrong because you've got a great deal of information that you've presented quite clearly to us. So thank you. <coughs> um, as a member of the board of SOCPA, um, we've decided that we would let people know when one of our group here passed away And um, unfortunately, this week, Dr. Laurie Walker, who was dean of the Faculty of Education about 15 years ago, um, passed away this week, and his memorial is yet to be announced. And I think we'll have um, a card out in the lobby for people to sign. Okay, now on to my question. Um, I noticed in your your talk that you combined... um, that you did not combine the public and the stakeholders. You had us as two different groups. At our table, we decided that we, the public, are the stakeholders. So that was just a comment. Um, My question is, where in your research did you put clear-cutting? Because I noticed the castle still looked pretty good on your maps, but as one of the protesters against the clear-cutting in the castle course we were very concerned and I didn't see that under threat. So I wonder where clear cutting is. Uh, I commend you that you got together. Um, the <clears throat> the people who are doing the clear cutting with the protesters, uh, the meetings, the lack of meetings was not due to the protesters' lack of trying. And <clears throat> and the third part of that is you talk a lot about the trout, uh, in terms of looking at the quality of the water, apparently the bull trout may be one of the best indicators the proverbial um, um, canary in the in the mine as the bull, the trout need the freshest and coldest water in order to live. Thanks.
2: Okay, there's a lot of <laughs> my question in my there. question
3: is really about the clear cutting where that fits in. Right. The
2: okay. I'll, and first, I'll just explain to you why the, what the difference between the public and stakeholders. The stakeholder group was um, specifically selected by people that could do something on the ground right now today to make a change. So people who owned land there, people who operate there, like the forestry companies and the shells and... Um, so it was because we were asking them to commit to a specific action. So that's why they were there. The general public is more for, um, you know, it's, it's support and information, and you know, they can certainly help, um, but they may not be able to do something today on the ground. Um, and then in terms of the logging, um, I believe that this, the data that we have is from to, uh, 2010. So things may have changed a little bit with the logging ha- of happening just obviously this year and last year. Um, so you know we will update this as the data becomes available, but it does take some time before that will be reflected in the data. And um, I guess... Just to address the logging issue in, in general, it's like our view is that we need to raise the bar. We need to look at what are the the best practices that we can use to ensure that we're protecting water quality and the bull trout and all of that. Because there are good examples. Our neighbors to the west, B.C., has some some stricter practices that maybe we could look to. It also comes down to where... A lot of the times, forests do need some disturbance, uh, and fire is a real threat. But we need to look at, you know, is there already a lot of disturbance in this area? What is the age class of the trees? What will the impact be on water quality and and erosion? We need to do maybe more um, careful assessments of those things before we just jump to the conclusion that there's trees, let's cut them down. And I think the government is, is moving in that direction. They recently hired a person to do some detailed watershed assessments of um, some of those parameters, like to, to have more information available and be more careful and selective in where we do uh, forestry. And so that that person just started like literally two weeks ago. So it will take time for some of these things to happen. But um, yeah, it's all about I guess weighing the risks with the the costs, right? And and we need to be more more careful in that.
4: Hi, Shannon. Thank you. I also wanted to thank Shannon for the uh, stakeholder meetings that your team's been hosting. I had the opportunity to be at the the Senior Centre talk, and um, I appreciated that we got to celebrate what was already being done well. And one of the initiatives that was brought up was the Walk to the Castle, an educational opportunity where... um, potentially coming from the border, uh, incorporating our basin right to the headwaters. People are going to uh, walk and celebrate stewardship. So it's uh, the focus on looking at who are the stewards and celebrating that. So Shannon has these up at the table if you're interested to learn more. And you can leave your uh, your contact if your organization wants to uh, be a part. Or if you put your hand up, I'll, I'll bring you a copyright to your table. My question for you is... Uh, up to this point, and you can choose where you want to give the start with the bad news or the good news. But what has been your biggest roadblock or your most challenging experience? And what is the most rewarding so far in this work in uh, collaborating the the community of the, the watershed?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll start with the positive. I think the the just the willingness to work together. Like we were. Kind of skeptical, not sure, you know, how open people would be, and, and seeing kind of the loggers sitting next to the protesters, and getting people like Shell and Spray Lakes and um, on board, and, and and the Quad Squad has been amazing. Like there's was a, there's been a lot of concern about recreation, but yet if you talk to the Quad Squad, they are very progressive, and they they've been calling for change. As well, and they're totally on board with um, enforcement and um, you know education and and trying to m- improve things that way. Um, and I think in and that the same kind of positive is also the, is this is the negative as well because it's been really challenging to get certain people on board. And uh, you know we don't have everybody, but we're going to keep keep at it and we think that as we get more and more people on board it kind of puts peer pressure on the others to join on because they see that you know they can't sit this one out it's it's serious and it is making a difference and then they'll realize that they have to get involved so it's 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 kind of it's that working together it's it's very challenging because everybody has their own opinions and Um, agendas at the table, but I think that is basically what the OWC is based on, and we we have a good track record of of doing that. Even our our board is a good example of that, how we manage to work together with very different um, points of view.
5: Uh, I'm Trevor Page. Um, I was pleased to hear that part of your strategy is to bring protesters together with the authorities or industry and sit at the same table to discuss things. I think I saw on your list of goals that you had on one of your slides that contamination of water was right down at the bottom. And I wonder whether your consultations include the oil industry, whether you're concerned about contamination from fracking. uh, Certainly the inhabitants of Longview are, where there's about 15 wells being drilled right now, and fracking is supposed to start within municipal limits in Lethbridge within the month, before the end of the month. So are you in contact with the oil industry, and are you concerned about the danger of contamination of water from fracking.
2: Um, well, first, just to, to clarify, our, our eighth goal is um, emerging contaminants, which were things I, like pharmaceuticals and bacterias and things like that. And then there's another goal about water quality in general and surface water quality. And then there's a third goal around groundwater. So we are kind of encompassing all of that. Um, in terms of fracking, right now it's not something we know a lot about, and like we haven't spent any time on it yet um, because we're we're just really focused on the headwaters. And that's as a small organization that's kind of taking all of our time. But um, I mean, certainly there's members and and supporters of ours that are concerned and and. You no, know, we haven't been asked to, to do anything in particular. Just you know, there's been a few questions here and there, and you know we've <coughs> provided some information from the E S E R C B on that type of thing, but I we honestly just don't know enough to to say. We we've, we've also been some trying to encourage um, research and <coughs> to figure some of those questions out, but. Um, you know, groundwater monitoring is really important to us, and so we have been doing some of that, but we don't have answers.
6: My name is Van Christou. Uh, thank you very much, Shannon, for such a clear and concise view of a large subject, and a very important subject. Um, I don't want my comments or my questions to be misconstrued as being against studies, extensive studies. In fact, I'm all for more monitoring of what's going on. But I feel that there's a certain common sense that has to go into this whole picture at this present time. And, and time is important. And uh, do we have time to waste on extensive many-year uh, studies on a matter that we know already that the eastern slopes of our Canadian Rockies are very, very slow in reproduction of soil. Soil forms at the rate of one inch in a thousand years on the eastern slopes. It's five times faster than that on the western slopes of the same Rockies. It's only common sense that we here in Lethbridge, living right in the middle of the Palliser Triangle, a semi-arid desert, that the water source here... The castle, in particular, is far more important than, and far more dangerous uh, in in uh, that it might be lost than even farther north, uh, west of Calgary. This is a very critical area, and it seems common sense to me that no clear cutting should be allowed at all. And yet, here we are permitting clear cutting when. The rules and regulations here in Alberta are way more lax than they are in British Columbia, our next-door neighbor, where they don't have the same problems at all that we have here. Uh, My question to you is, do you not agree that uh, we should, I'm all for you people doing your studies and uh, having the effect that you have, but I was very glad to hear Newt say that uh, there is an avenue where we should address it as individuals in this area, to make government clearly knowledgeable in the area that we are worried about our future water supply with clear-cutting.
2: Yeah, and I would agree with that, that we don't want to spend a lot of time on on big studies, and we haven't. This This report was done in four months, just based on existing data that we already could get our hands on easily, because we didn't want to do that. We knew it was urgent. And so um, that's and that's also why we started with an action plan where we're actually asking people and writing down things that are going to happen right away because um, we wanted to get some of that success and some of that um, positive things happening on the ground. And um, and now we're, we're going to also... Move into setting those targets and policy as well, but but we did start with action because we agree with you, um, and I I think I already touched on the logging. I'm not sure if you wanted more information on that, but I we certainly agree that there's you know a a, a place for it and and a place not for it, and we need to figure that out and you know maybe looking at BC and looking at Um, different practices is the answer.
5: Hi, my name's Jack Elliott. Um, Has the provincial government ever given any indication to the Water Council as to why they're not operating their water conversation through the councils?
2: well I think it was just because it was a promise made by the premier um, during the election and and you know it's been talked about for a long time as, as the government wants to listen to Albertans directly and I think w- the minister herself being at the water conversations or at least some of them and you know listening was was really important and um they, they have like their policy division that organized all of those meetings, and they're the ones that had the um, um, options, the policy options created to test with the public, and we didn't really have anything to do with. Uh, creating those policy options. It was really them and so I think that's why um, we were invited to to speak and we had our display and and we participated but um, it wasn't wasn't intended to be uh, uh, to go through the watershed councils. Um, It was intended to be we are the government listening to you now.
5: Yeah, because for a million dollar budget you would have thought that it would have made more sense to facilitate this through the council, who already had the background and the working information to work with.
2: In some ways, um, like we we don't have a lot of information on fracking. We don't have a lot of information on water and wastewater treatment plants. Those were two of the topics. Um, you know, we have some information on lakes and reservoirs and water management and um but I, I I think they made the right decision, and, th- and the other thing is because it kind of happened so fast, they were they were ready years ago waiting to do it, and just needed the go ahead yeah. and we weren't involved in that it was it was quite some time ago where they developed this this plan and and I'm not sure exactly where the million dollars went that, I'm not, that may have included their staff time, and I guess they did hire quite a few consultants as well. But um, I th- and the watershed councils really vary. Some they don't all focus on the same issues. So that was probably another reason.
5: Okay, thank you very much.
4: Hi Shannon. Hi. Uh, my name's Debbie Gregorash, and I know cows and fish have been instrumental in um, helping ranchers in the foothills take care of their streams and creeks. I'm just wondering if the people in the flatlands, like the irrigators, etc., appreciate what those people do, and is there ever uh, a tying together or a meeting between the people who work so hard to keep our water potable uh, and the people downstream who use it, especially in irrigation country here.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. I can't think of a specific meeting just for that but you know, it's certainly something we bring up when we meet with them that uh, the headwaters in particular are the source of their irrigation water and they, they understand that and they're most of them are quite supportive of the OWC um, uh, some of them donate to us and they're quite active on our board and on our teams and coming to our events and things um, for the most part and um, you know there is a recognition that that they depend on the, the upstream for sure um, I, I think that is something we could work on we could you know um, maybe do a better job of, of sharing those stories and and it's also something that comes up a lot is kind of the urban, perspective, do they appreciate um, the ranchers and the headwaters and all of that as well? And I think, um, you know, we, we do a lot of events and outreach and, and all of that, but um, you, you can always do more.
1: My name is Frank Toth, Shannon. That's a wonderful, informative speech. Thank you. I have several qu- little quickie questions. Uh, first of all, is this a provincially abrogated uh, job that you're doing? Is this a provincial thing financed by the province?
2: The council in general? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the watershed councils okay. are funded by the province.
1: Well, the itinerary of it, of course, the fact that you're not quite sure the effect of fracking is very, very sad. Ask any miner who is a born geologist. Several states, provinces in Canada, in the U.S., all over the world is, is banning it. I wonder if it's a directive from the government for you not to get into that too much. Secondly, have you, have you approached the First Nations? What input have they had? Their livelihood, their lives are affected by this. Have, have they been approached?
2: Yes. Um, so, first, no. The government doesn't <coughs> tell us what to do at all, actually. They're very good about staying out of that, and it's up to our board of directors, who is, you know, represents different sectors in, in yeah. the community. And um, um, it's simply just because we are focused on the headwaters, and we only have a couple of staff and we just don't have the resources to dive into a, another yeah. huge issue right now. Um, and, and we just we aren't comfortable commenting on things until we've done really thorough review of the scientific literature. And um, in terms of First Nations, we have approached them and we are um, planning some meetings with them. Um, we're, they, they told us that what they would like to do is start by... Um, talking to the youth, actually. They wanted us to set up some meetings to talk to their youth about water because they felt that was really important and then also to bring the elders in to talk about water with their youth and with us. And so we're, we're, we're working with them to try and um, set those meetings up and, you know, do it in a, in a culturally appropriate yeah. way.
1: Uh, just, excuse me, just at the moment... Do you think we're going to hear a hell of a roar from Edmonton, from our Premier, about the report that the Germany is pulling out their their scientific <laughs> experts from the tar sands thing right now? Is that going to affect the way that your your people are going to act?
2: Not us. Like The Athabasca Watershed Council would be dealing with that. Um, it doesn't really affect us down here. In, in the self, and, you know, we, we aren't blinded by reality and what, what's happening. We, we take all of that into account.
0: And we'll take our final question now. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Carol Sakia, thanks for your uh, presentation. Um, I have a lot of concerns about your autonomy as the OWC, and I guess the previous gentleman mentioned. So you're 100% funded provincial government?
2: Not 100%. Oh, not. But but a majority, I would say, uh, roughly 70% right now. So a uh,
0: couple of questions: Your board of directors, how they get there, and their um, how long they're allowed to be on the board. Um, and when you talk about doing research and studies, and look having to look into things. What's your staffing complement of your
2: local OWC? Um, yeah. Um, well, our board members serve two-year terms that can be renewed if they are nominated again. So some of them <coughs> might be there for longer. Um, and some of them are appointed by their sector, like because we have uh, representatives from agriculture, health, um, academia, um you know, all, all the sectors, I can't remember them all right now, there's, there's 18 board seats, and they're each um, appointed or elected by their sector. So, um, um, for example, the environmental non-government organizations um, are right now are Trout Unlimited and um, uh, Southern Alberta Group for Environment, and so they were kind of put forward as this is who we want to represent us so um, and then they serve a two year term, and then at the end of that term, they go through the process again who who wants to step forward as a board member, and you know that that sector will decide and um, sometimes, if we don't get a lot of interest, we have to go out and, and ask people and try to s- explain the value that of them serving and that we it's worth their time and that kind of thing it's it's a struggle sometimes to get volunteers to, to sit on boards because it is a big time commitment um, and then your other question was uh, staff we have uh, uh, four staff right now and um, so we have myself the executive director we have a planning manager who's working solely on all this headwaters um, watershed management planning stuff uh, and we have a program coordinator who does all of all our, like, education and outreach stuff. Uh, I didn't talk about that at all today because of the time, but we do a lot of events and public education and working with landowners, working with urban people, trying to promote good practices and that kind of thing. Um, and we do a bunch of research. And then we have a part-time administrative assistant.
0: So my concern is about, you know, when you mention research for people, most of them not doing research, doesn't give you a lot of time to actually do research, and so therefore begs the question for the the previous speaker about fracking. That's an immediate issue. Uh, it is. It has to do with water. You know, it's too bad we don't have more resources to you know, in a in a critical time, be able to direct somebody to that issue and be able to respond to the immediate community about it. I mean, that's just a flaw in the the setup, it looks like, mm-hmm. or the funding, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and with a lot of the <coughs> research that we use, we actually partner with other groups to do, like um, uh, the University of Lethbridge or Alberta Innovates, um, the college, you know, we may not do a lot of it. We don't do any of it ourselves. I don't go out and take samples. We either hire co- consulting firms or we partner with a, a, a university or college or some sort of group to, to do it for us and with us and we, we have an oversight team of, of experts who help us and it's all volunteers and we're really lucky that we can leverage all of that expertise.
0: Well, thank you very much. And unfortunately, we're out of time for this very interesting and important conversation. I'd like to thank again Shannon Frank for speaking to us this afternoon. And thank you to all of you for your attention and your wonderful questions. And uh, just a reminder that we'd love to see you out uh, at future SACPA events. So I'd like to thank Shannon one last time today. Thank you very much.